can hold all of it, we are better able to then process through it. To reconcile experiences, one does not negate the other. Just because you've had a positive experience of someone does not negate someone else's negative experience. Just because you're having a contractive emotion in response to something does not negate the expansive aspects of what you're feeling about it. What's come from it, it's both. Hey friends, welcome back to the Make It Inevitable podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Zamora, and today I want to talk about the place of both, holding life's duality so that we can experience greater expansion, greater leverage within ourselves to navigate through challenging situations so that we can make seemingly impossible things happen far more quickly and with more ease. One of the experiences that I speak to quite a bit is grief and gratitude. And much of this comes from my own personal grief journey, my loss, my very traumatic loss, which I've talked about on the show. I wrote about it in Unravel. So we'll link to that in the show notes if you want to read more about the full experience and the loss in my own journey to healing and finding wholeness in the aftermath of that. But this many years since that loss, or about eight and a half years now since my loss, there is so much in my life that is so incredible and beautiful and would not exist had I not experienced that loss. There are people in my life that I am so grateful for that I would not be the person that I am where I am today had I not formed relationships with them along the way after my loss. People that I wouldn't be close to had my ex who passed away, had he not died. And there are many moments where I feel this immense gratitude, this immense gratitude for where I am in my life, for how everything I went through ultimately shaped me into more of who I'm here to be, how it allowed me to deepen into this work that I do and to create an even richer and more effective and impactful body of work. I'm able to help people in ways that I was not able to help them before. I created a business around personal growth and finding your purpose and your passions and healing to a degree, but it lacked a certain level of necessary depth to really be effective. In fact, much of the work that I did before my loss was not supportive to me when I was going through my loss. So I wrote my first Awesome Life Tips book. We will link to the original Awesome Life Tips. 365 tips for living a life you love. That was my very first book. And I poured my heart and soul into writing those tips, into sharing those little bits of wisdom and inspiration and motivation and trying to help people think and feel and be different from the lens of who I was before loss and trauma. I had trauma, but it was childhood trauma. I wasn't really working on it directly. I, I hadn't had this big traumatic event like the loss that I experienced. And so I wrote this book. I was very proud of this book. My tips brand was something that we had a following around. People would subscribe for the daily emails. They loved the book. I loved the book. I was proud of the work. And after my loss, my partner at the time after my loss, when I was really deep in the grief, he would get out my Awesome Life Tips book, which he was a huge fan of, and he would read it to me. He would read me my own words with the intention of, snapping me out of the grief of 
getting me to think differently, be differently in an effort to essentially either snap out of it or bypass the heaviness of it, the darkness of the grief. And I remember hearing my own words and feeling deep in my cells and my bones and my being and my soul that this is not helpful at all. And that's not to say that the work that I created before is not powerful and potent and beneficial and helpful for certain people at certain points in their journeys, but it lacked trauma awareness. It was not trauma informed because I was not trauma informed. I didn't have a relationship to trauma, let alone healing from trauma. And I certainly did not have a relationship to grief like I was experiencing in the aftermath of this loss. And it really struck me that I needed to go deeper into my work. And so going through this loss, going through the process of healing and rising up and coming back from it, of rebuilding myself, my life, my business, my relationships after all of it, my work is what it is today. I am able to help the people that I'm able to help at the depth that I'm able to help them because of my loss, because of everything that I went through. So there is a tremendous amount in my life and my work that I am insanely, wildly, deeply grateful for that would not exist had I not had that loss. I never would have wrote Unravel and connected with so many incredible souls by sharing my own story and journey and getting the honor of holding space for their stories, getting to hear some of the just insanely challenging, horrific things that other humans have walked through or are walking through now. I would not have been able to hold that space for them, to show up for them and to really support them through it. I would not have created journey mapping, which the creation of journey mapping before I packaged it into a process and a program was a process that I uncovered for myself, for myself to heal, for myself to claw my way back from the depths of grief and trauma and loss. And I wouldn't have that relationship to the work. I wouldn't have that process, which is now helping so many people. I wouldn't be able, again, like what really brings me the most fulfillment about the work piece is knowing that I am equipped both in the space that I can hold and the tools that I have to help people move through their own grief and healing journeys, to help people move through trauma. I wouldn't have that ability had I not experienced my loss. And for me to have that ability by having experienced a loss, this person had to die. And that's not to say that the only way for me to step into my fullest expression in this work, my fullest expression as a person, this, this level of understanding means that he specifically had to die. So I actually had somebody slide into my DMs recently and share with me that they, they felt differently about what I say when I say that I, I personally, I don't care so much about the idea that this was all a soul agreement between he and I, that our lives were meant to play out the way that they were, that I was supposed to meet him and he was supposed to die. That doesn't resonate for me. If that resonates for you and that's supportive for you, amazing. I'm so glad that you have that so that can support you in your process of healing. What matters to me is what we do in the aftermath of this. So I don't personally believe that he and I had some divine agreement to go through this together in this lifetime. And I don't think that everything happening for a reason 
means that we all had these soul agreements before we came into this world and we went through these certain experiences. Sometimes, absolutely, sure, why not? Of course. And there's a human element to this life. There's a human chaotic element to all of the experiences that we have. So when I say that, that these things in my life wouldn't exist, these things that I'm so grateful for, that I'm so glad and thankful to have and to have experienced and to be able to do now and the relationships that I have and I get to experience and be involved in, it's not that it's like he had to die for all of this to happen, him specifically, but for me to come to this place, I had to go through that reckoning, that awakening, that cracking open on such a deep level. And every time, eight and a half years later, that I feel gratitude for what I know, for where I am, for who I get to meet and be in relationship with, for what's been birthed in my work and my business, I feel grief. I feel grief because he's not here and he died. And I feel grief for the person that I was, the business that I had, the relationships that I had, the life that I was living that stopped existing when he made the choice to leave. And it's both. We often believe that we can't have one without the other. You can't be grateful and be grieving what you've lost or who you've lost or the aspects of self that you've lost. When really our work as humans is to learn to have a relationship with both of the seemingly contradictory opposite emotions and holding them together simultaneously at the same time. The reason that this is so powerful and expansive for us is that A, it allows us to have a healthy relationship with our emotions. So I'm not bypassing one in favor of the other. Whatever we stuff down gets stuck in our cells. It makes us sick. More so the contractive emotions, because those are what we tend to bypass in favor of the expansive ones. But both, anything unprocessed, unfelt, unexpressed, festers inside of us. It's not healthy. Emotion is energy in motion. It's meant to be moved through us, through and out of us in productive ways. So when we can't hold both, we are choosing one over the other. And we're choosing that based on how we interpret the emotions and the experience. What's appropriate, socially acceptable for this situation is grief, not gratitude. So my loss was a suicide loss. For those of you that are new to me in this episode, again, you can learn all about it on my blog. You can learn all about it in my book. It was a suicide loss. So there is this underlying belief for some, not all, for many suicide survivors, suicide loss survivors, where it feels like we are not allowed to have gratitude, certainly not in relation to the loss itself. It's both. I have grief and I have gratitude. The gratitude is not that he died. I will never be, am not, will never be grateful that he died. But I am grateful for who I chose to become in the aftermath how I allowed this experience to shape me, what I chose to create, what's moved through me, what I've assisted in coming into the world. That I'm grateful for, for the relationships that I have cultivated as a result 
of having gone through this experience, having done my healing and growth work, having been open and honest and raw and real in the aftermath of my loss, that allowed me to, so to form many of the relationships that were born from that grief because of that loss, to foster them, to nurture them, to evolve them. I'm not grateful for his death. I grieve his death still eight and a half years later. I will for the rest of my life. It is true that we learn to carry the grief differently. We learn to hold it differently. We learn to, it's not that it gets smaller, but it gets lighter because we get into this relationship with it and we hold it differently and life continues to build and we have new and different experiences and there's more love and there's more loss, more grief and trauma and healing and growth and expansion and beautiful things. None of them cancel the others out. We just pick up more. We carry more. We balance it differently. So the grief is different now than it was eight years ago, six months after my loss, eight and a half years later, I hold it differently. I relate to it differently, but I still grieve. I still grieve him. I still grieve myself, my life, all of it. And I have gratitude. I can hold both simultaneously. And this takes practice, intentional practice. Can you feel gratitude and let yourself move the grief through? Or can you notice when you're pushing one aside because you think it's wrong, that you can't have both, that it must be one or the other, and the one that you decide it must be is based on what, what programming, what conditioning, what beliefs, expectations of self, shoulds and should nots. Both are real, both are welcome, both are healthy. Both can coexist. And when we learn to hold both, we expand our capacity to feel, to be, to believe, to dream, to love, to gr grieve, all of it. We expand our capacity for emotion and all of the emotions become richer. We get stronger with them, better able to work with them. Another example of this is the relationship that I got into after my loss because of PTSD was with an abusive addict. And there was a lot about that relationship that was really horrific, really bad, really awful, really super not okay in any sense of the word. A lot of violation. And there were good things about the person and the experience. There was a level of support and showing up that I hadn't experienced with anyone else. There were these fun, lighthearted, magical moments. There were inherent gifts to this person's being and personality that were really incredible that I got to experience. And a lot of other people saw certain positive aspects of this person while I, behind closed doors, experienced the really not great, really not okay. And it was very hard for me because I had learned to hold both, both the good and the bad, the contractive and expansive. I had learned to hold both. And so for me, I could talk about what was bad, not okay, unacceptable, abusive, toxic, without taking away from what was good. I could name both. They were this and that. Both can coexist. One does not negate the other. And yet when I would try to 
to talk to people who are close to me who knew this person about what was going on or how I felt when I was trying to process and trying to heal, there was very much an inability for others to hold both. Mm, I've seen this side of them. I've seen the empathy. I've seen the gifts. I've seen the care. I've seen the joy and the lightheartedness and the jokester. And therefore, that, which is ugly and harmful and toxic and abusive, that doesn't fit. Everyone and everything in this life is multifaceted. Period. Things are both and. Our experiences, our personalities, all of it, our emotions, both and. And I wrote a piece a long time ago now where I talked about how if I can talk about the harmful, horrible things that I went through without taking away what made this person good, beautiful, magical, special, whatever, then you, all of you, need to hold space for my whole experience. It does not negate what I went through, what I experienced, which opposes the idea, experience that you have of somebody. And this is very common when there's abuse in relationships. The people outside the relationship experience one side and they can't hold both. How can it be both? How can there be good and bad? Kindness and abuse, love and hate. We can't hold both. And so we make one wrong. And even those of us going through the experiences, whether it's grief and loss or trauma and abuse or whatever it is, we we can't hold both. Things are either evil or they're good. Bad, good, evil, good. Toxic, healthy. Grateful, grieving. Angry, appreciative. It can be both. I can have anger at someone and appreciate the good that was there. I can acknowledge what is bad and harmful and evil and abusive and toxic and hold what was good. And this is so important for our healing, whatever it is that we're healing from. If we can't hold both, we can't reconcile what was real about the experience because we are negating something about it. And it's very important to understand the way that we will cancel out what we feel is bad and wrong in favor of what seems good and pleasant and familiar to us. We can't do the opposite. So we can't only say that someone is inherently wrong, bad, evil, toxic, abusive, and forget the good. Them having good elements does not negate or detract from, in any way, the bad. This can be really, really challenging. If you're struggling with this, I understand. This might be work to do with a coach. This might be work to do with a therapist. Because it's difficult for our brains to wrap around that. We need to neatly categorize people, things, and experiences. Neatly. Good or bad. Toxic or kind. Abusive or loving can both exist? Yes, absolutely. They often do. So where, as I talk through this, do you recognize this in yourself? 
in your own life and experiences, even looking backwards to the past. And again, this is not about detracting from the toxicity or abuse that you may have experienced. It's not. It's not about going, okay, you know what? That, that toxic ex that I left because of X, Y, and Z, I should have given them, I should have given them another chance because they did these nice things over here. No. What we are doing is learning to hold the totality of experience because when we can do this, we have more strength and leverage in ourselves to truly be with our experience and our emotions. And when we can hold all of it, we are better able to then process through it to reconcile experiences. One does not negate the other. Just because you've had a positive experience of someone does not negate someone else's negative experience. Just because you're having a contractive emotion in response to something does not negate the expansive aspects of what you're feeling about it. What's come from it. It's both. So notice, also notice the emotions that you most frequently push aside. So we can have the toxic positivity where they would tell you, in the example of grief, to focus on the gratitude. Be grateful for the happy moments and experiences that you have. And, and don't let the negative weigh you down. Don't let the toxicity, the loss, the grief weigh you down. Focus on the positive. What is it about grief, anger, any contractive emotion that they or you are so afraid of feeling? Because that we will link to the episode on no-go zone emotions. That is the emotion that you most need to work with to really be free and leveraged to create what it is that you want in life. I don't care how you justify or rationalize it. That is the emotion that you need to face. And to do otherwise is to bypass it because you're not letting yourself feel it, which means there is a stockpile of it in your cells, in your nervous system, in your tissue. Where will you not let yourself hold expansive aspects of an experience? Because you need it to be only contracted, bad, negative. Again, this is not to look at the good of somebody and negate the toxicity or abuse or convince ourselves to stay somewhere that is not healthy or safe for us. This is about not making life black and white. It's not. There can be good, beautiful aspects to toxic, abusive people. And just because that's true doesn't mean that we keep them in our life. And this can be important because otherwise we feel crazy. And we don't give ourselves permission to then take action based on what feels right for us. It has to be that they were bad and wrong and evil. Instead of there was bad, there were things that happened that were wrong, that were not okay, that go against what I know to be right and true for me. This person is not a total monster. They are not right for me. Again, discernment. Please don't take my words and apply them to your situation in such a way that you're using me to give yourself permission or excuse yourself for staying somewhere where you're not supposed to be anymore because it's not right for you. This requires a deep level of self-awareness and discernment. I'm going to talk about self-awareness in the next episode, in at least the next one or two episodes. We're going to get into self-awareness, what that means, how we cultivate more of it, how we use it as a tool. You have to have that awareness to be able to take this information. The core of this is it can be 
both? Can you hold space for all of the emotions, as contradictory as they seem? Can you look at the totality of a person and a situation and still make the decision that is right and true for you without negating some aspect of it? Because the only way that you can quit a job or leave a relationship is that it's toxic and bad and abusive and whatever else. Can there be aspects of this and a lot of good and you still decide that it's not right for you? That's enough. You're allowed to do that. So just notice your patterns here. Where are you not able to hold both? Where are you negating one side of an experience or one emotion in favor of another and why? And what is it that you need to build a relationship with what it is that you push aside, negate, bypass, choose not to acknowledge your experience? There's something there for you. It's not always what you think it is. If I can support you, please let me know. We're going to link to resources in the show notes and I will be back soon with another episode. Thank you so much for joining me today and being a part of our incredible community of purpose-driven individuals. If you are ready to put these teachings into practice in your own life, head on over to www.stephaniezamora.com slash podcast, where you'll get access to our collection of actionable and easy to implement workbooks. That includes our renowned methodology for making the impossible inevitable that's helped hundreds of individuals worldwide get into motion on their most important goals. Plus, our comprehensive guide to stopping self-sabotage and navigating the terror barrier with more grace and ease. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community, so please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.